Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiative podcast. My name is Ben Craven and today we're joined by our senior fellow, Dr. Michael Johnston. Michael, good day. Hi, how you doing? Very good, thank you. So uh, we're recording this on Monday. Um, we've just been at the New Zealand Initiative members retreat. Give us your impressions. How was it? Well, I have to say that a lot of the talk there was on the depressing side, uh, lots of issues raised that uh, people are concerned about, uh, but the mood was what I would call a bullion. People were uh, pretty upbeat, actually, despite all of the uh, you know difficult things that we, we had to talk about. Yeah, okay. Um, obviously, it's your first, first retreat that you've been to. Um, have you been to anything similar before? Well, I've been to academic conferences, but this was, this was rather a different deal, and I think one of the great things about it was really the high quality of all the talks, mm. like very knowledgeable people talking about a range of issues from geopolitics to obviously lots of economic uh, issues and then uh, also education, which is my particular uh, corner of things, and, and the media, the state of the media. So lots of different topics and uh, it, it was, I think, very good for members to hear from all of those different experts. Yeah, your your own particular session was all about academic freedom. Um, can yeah. you take us take me through a bit bit of that? Yeah, so so um, De- Dennis Vesselbaum talked about uh, the state of academic standards and how they've kind of fallen quite precipitously in the last ten to fifteen years. Uh, my own talk was more on yes, the academic freedom side of things, and in particular how it's getting more difficult for academics to voice views that seem to be dissenting or different than a kind of majority perspective. Mm. Uh, One of the things I raised in particular was the furor of the seven Auckland professors who uh, called into question whether Mataranga Māori and science are the same thing. And, And I think irrespective of the position one takes on that, the, the disturbing thing was the way in which they were howled down, not only by the media, but especially disturbing was a, a letter signed by two and a half thousand academics condemning them for raising the question. And and that strikes me as a, a particularly disturbing turn of events. There should be no uh, sacred cows when it comes to academic debate, really, should there? No. I, I mean, I think it's important that people debate in a civil way yeah. uh, and in a scholarly way, but no, we, we shouldn't have anything that's off the table in terms of what we can talk about. Mm. You invoked um, Galileo um, during your presentation, I think. Yes, well, I mean, we had that, that very interesting presentation by Zoom from, from Marian Tupi from the Cato Institute, yeah. and, and uh, one of the things that he pointed out was that uh, in later this century, we'll, we'll start to see a fall in the world population, and he warned that that is going to create some challenges for economic growth, not so much just because of the fall in population per se, but because it means that there will be fewer thinkers around to offer offer ideas and to contest ideas. And that made me think that actually we're already in danger of losing thinkers mm-hmm. if, if the universities no longer value open debate in the way that they have in the past, it means that the graduates that come out of universities will be less equipped to discuss ideas than they have been. And so we may, so we may face that problem 
even sooner. It just becomes a um, all about rote learning, I guess, isn't it? R- rather than challenging ideas. Well, I, don't know, I don't know about rote learning, but, it, but the reproduction of, of received wisdom rather than the questioning of received wisdom is, is perhaps the, the risk that we run. Right. And, um, I mean, you must have had some good conversations with members at the Members Forum. Uh, what was their take on the state of education and ac- academia? Well, I think that uh, a lot of what Dennis and I had to say if not news to people, certainly brought it into into stark relief for them. Yeah. I mean, obviously most members are concerned with their businesses and what they're doing in their businesses. And, Naturally. And yeah. they, they probably don't think about these wider issues every day. Uh, and, and certainly I think there was definitely concern raised about not only the state of the universities but the, the state of education more generally. Mm. I, think, I think there's widespread agreement that education is a particularly key issue for the country, not only for businesses, certainly for businesses, but also for democracy and for the state of our young people. I mean, uh, all all these leaders of business want uh, educated people to be uh, taking up roles with them, uh, being productive members. Yes. In your view, uh, is the education system equipping these graduates for these types types of roles? Well, there'll always be people coming out of schools and universities who who are well equipped. Yeah. But the question is, how much are we sacrificing that we we could be gaining mm-hmm. uh, if we're not doing things as well as we could? And to me, there are, there are two broad issues. One is things like literacy and numeracy not being taught as well as they could be, and and I think there's starting to be recognition of, of those issues from the Ministry of Education. I, I must say, long overdue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully that will start to lead to a turnaround in that. Uh, but of course, it takes time because it takes 12 years for a young person to go through school from you know, 5 to 17 or whatever it is. And, and there are many young people already in the pipeline of education who have not been taught as well as they might have been from the outset. So that's one issue, uh, the, the academic side. The, the other issue is how we equip people to be citizens of a democracy and that's something I think we haven't focused on enough in the past. And, yeah. and and now we're in this era of cancel culture and this era in which ideas uh, are treated as sacred cows too often. Yeah, some, are, some are too dangerous to have as well, right? That too dangerous of, to debate. That kind of thing. And, the, mm. and that, of course, is terribly unhealthy for democracy and and arguably for mental health as well. I think there is a... And we talked about that at the retreat, you know, the, the state of young people and depression and anxiety spiking. Yeah. And I, I don't think that is entirely unrelated from this idea of um, sacred cows and the difficulty of, of debating ideas because ideas themselves start to be seen as threatening. Uh, I mean, you, you've, you've been a, a lecturer for a number of years. Um, how have you seen, have you seen any sort of difference in young people and their, their mental health? I mean, at least yeah. anecdotally? I'm afraid I have. Yeah. Um, but, both anecdotally and in data, in fact. So right. Obviously, I have a fair bit to do with a range of young people directly in, who are in my courses and, and so on. Um, and I have seen more and more mental health be cited as, as a problem for young people when they're doing their courses. They, they have episodes of depression and so on that 
lead them to need extensions for their work and this kind of thing. But um, most people, if they have a, a large essay coming up or a prominent exam that they have to do well and probably get a bit a bit nervous. But you're yeah. saying this is this is a bit a bit more than that. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a, a very genuine end to it where, yeah. where they are genuinely suffering from some serious problems. And, and yeah. I have, you know, had to deal with suicidal thoughts and and things with, with students expressing those kinds of things. And, it's um, terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's shocking. Um, and, and then, of course, there is an end to it where people are just talking about mental health more which is a good thing that yeah. people are feeling freer to talk about mental health issues, and and when that happens, the, the they also feel free to use it as an excuse, perhaps more than than in the past. So there are some who perhaps play it up a little bit mm. to get an extension or something like that. But but no, I, I wouldn't take away from the fact that there is a real serious issue there. Right. Uh, and and we did run a survey a few years ago, um, probably about twenty sixteen, of first-year university students uh, and asked them to report on things like anxiety and depression. And we saw a huge spike, especially for young women, uh, with reporting depression and, and dealing with serious issues of depression during their first trimester at university. And that compares with data that I've seen from the United States that has seen that tracking up again, especially for young women. Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible to hear. We, your impression of the uh, members' retreat? Did uh, business leaders seem pretty, um, pretty aware of these changes? So um, both the, the troubling education um, standards and also mental health in the workplace. Well, I think again that, that that's something that they've been aware of through the media and and kind of possibly through uh, direct experience of, of graduates. Uh, but I think that the retreat brought both of those issues much more into focus for them. Fantastic. All right. Uh, Dr. Michael Johnston, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Cheers. To stay up to date with our latest research, opinions and events, sign up to our weekly insights newsletter at nzinitiative.org.nz.